All right, welcome to Church Public, where we look at the intersection of faith and culture. Check us out at churchpublic.com, iTunes, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, at Church Public. We look forward to seeing you there. Well, as I mentioned, I live by the ocean, and there are many people who live on boats just offshore or in the Bay Harbor. They all have really strong anchors that keep them in the right place. The anchor, while small in comparison, especially to those giant cruise ships, it keeps them in the right place. The anchor is connected to something solid so the boat doesn't drift away or crash into another boat or into the shore, causing damage to the boat or even to other people. There are currents, there are waves on the surface, there are storms, there are tides that push and pull. There are things that move the boat back and forth, and the boat is constantly being swept back and forth. If not for this small chain, this small anchor, it would be swept away As long as the anchor holds, the boat stays in the same place on the water. Our faith is like this too. The anchor is, for the boat, obviously physical. For us, there's a spiritual anchor. This anchor is sound biblical doctrine. What happens if the anchor line is cut? What happens if it accidentally breaks? Perhaps not much at first. Maybe you don't even notice this subtle drift. If it's a calm day, if the current of culture is slow, you may not even see the difference, but over time, the move can be more drastic. Lee Strobel says, quote, the real danger is what would inevitably happen over time. The current of culture would cause Christianity to crash into the rocks of heresy and sink into irrelevancy, end quote. And the writer Paul of, of Romans, Romans 6, he says, we have this hope. It's this anchor for the soul. It's firm and secure. That anchor is Jesus, who is the truth, who is the very embodiment of God's word, of the Logos. For many in the church, and in fact, many churches themselves, we have lost our anchor. I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with people who begin to question some of the core values of Christianity only to become ex-Christians or anti-Christians or pagans or something different um, or spiritual but not religious. We'll talk about that in a moment. And it seems that none of them saw it coming. They just thought they were being open to these new ideas or seeking other spiritual knowledge to fill out their theology or something like that. Never mind that this so-called knowledge was not based in Scripture, it was not based in anything biblical, but in the world or in these alternate religions that are, in fact, not Christianity, even if they say they are. I recently had a conversation with some friends that were exploring these ideas. They decided they don't need church anymore. Instead, they're going to seek a uh, quote from them, spiritual director for their spiritual needs. And this person assists them apparently with different spiritual things, again, spiritual, but not religious. And most people, and even some churches, don't even see it coming. Just like a ship lost from its mooring, it floats away, and it happens slowly at first. I love this quote from Ernest Hemingway, who was not uh, religious in that way. He was talking about money, but the it still applies here uh, in his book, The Sun Also Rises. One of the characters asked this question, how did you go bankrupt? And the answer is, gradually, then suddenly. And that feels right to, to me. It feels like the way it goes. You don't intend Some people do, but not everyone intends to leave Christianity or intends to become heretical or act heretical or act against the Bible or or make their own religion a la carte. Um, It's just something that people are disenfranchised with some part of it or don't like the way the Bible feels or don't like the rigidity of the rules or, or countless other questions that they've been working through and then not getting a sufficient answer they seek other directions and find different things. And this has been happening in culture more and more rapidly 
lately. The reason we're talking about it today is because this is something that's happening. And you may know people, you may have family and friends who are going down these roads, uh, inventing or, or, or taking theology or taking parts of theology. Again, a la carte, like taking different pieces and exchanging them and deciding what they want and, and not what they don't like and eliminating that. Um, in 2017, Pew Research, Pew Research did a study asking whether people thought they were spiritual, and then another question asking if they considered themselves religious. So two separate questions, but kind of a combined answer. And the number of spiritual people, and they said spiritual, but the number that said they were not religious grew dramatically in almost every age category. In total, it was around 75% of people believe they are somewhat spiritual, but only 54% of people consider themselves religious. That last stat is down 11% in five years from 2012 to 2017, and that was three years ago yet. So people continue to be less religious, and that's marked by going to church, reading the Bible, following biblical worldview, and yet they're becoming more spiritual. They believe in spiritual things. And so often in the church, at least how I grew up and how I was um, uh, brought about through college and, and some other discussions, it was like Christianity versus atheism versus someone who doesn't believe in God at all. More though now, what I see is Christianity versus almost Christianity. It's like Christianity light or diet Christianity or really actually not Christianity, but people still think they're following something, even though they say, I'm not following the Bible. Maybe Christ was a good person, but not God. There, there's all these different qualifications that people make. Um, again, a la carte kind of making up their own religion, maybe picking some verses in the Bible they like, definitely disagreeing with other verses in the Bible that they don't like, and just continuing on and on. So this is an important topic, and it's really part of the reason that I'm talking here today, part of the reason I started this whole project, because we, the church, really need to focus on Jesus. We need to focus on our theology. We need to focus on our doctrine. We need to focus on our witness, and we need to talk about how to do that. And we need to talk about these questions. I was having a discussion with a friend the other day that the church has done a really poor job over the last several decades of answering questions or even listening to questions. I can say personally that I was involved in some churches early on that when I asked certain questions, I was told, no, we don't ask that question. Stop talking, basically. Um, and that's super frustrating. And fortunately, I found my way through that and just kept asking the questions and frustrating other people until I got them answered sufficiently. And I studied all kinds of things, all kinds of religions, all kinds of different processes. Because, And I, I intentionally put myself in philosophy classes and world religion classes so that I can understand where people were coming from because I wasn't afraid that I would lose my Christianity. I wasn't afraid I would lose my relationship with Jesus. It was deeper than that intellectual battle, and yet I wanted to know where people were coming from so that I could understand, hey, why do you have this argument, or why do you believe there is no God, or, or how do you reconcile the intricacies of the human body and DNA and all these pieces, or the expansiveness of the universe um, and not believe there is a creator that did all these things. And I wanted to know how people rationalize some of some of these questions. But again, I can tell you countless number of people that I know that went into those same environments unprepared. And so when they came across conflicting information or a really persuasive mentor, professor, or whatever, 
they ended up being swayed and leaving what was and what is real Christianity. And so I, I, I want people to understand what it is and I want people to seek God for themselves and learn about Jesus for themselves and be prepared for these hard questions, which will happen. These, these questions will happen, especially for our children, especially if we're sending them to school, especially if we're sending them to university. We really need to e- equip them to be able to be solid in their faith and answer these questions when they come. And questioning faith is nothing new. It's happened since the beginning of humanity, literally in the Garden of Eden. Eve, when asked if sin will really kill her, this intellectual question, will this sin really cause you to die um, when proposed by the devil? She decided to give it a shot anyway and, and try leading instead of following God as if she knew better. And Adam, who should have been leading in the first place and helping her anchor to this truth of following God, he just accepted this new quote, truth, and went along with the deception. And it goes on and on through time, and and it could give countless examples. Um, I'll just give a couple. Nietzsche said God is dead. Marx said religion was the opiate of the masses. Those are common ones you hear these days, Um, and and so many others. So I won't won't get into all the others. But even if you're not steeped in these late century philosophers, you, you personally may have asked questions. Does God really care about me? Does he really care about the poor? Does he really care about people? Does he really care about humanity? Does Is the Bible really the word of God? Does God really exist? And on and on and on. And these questions are real questions and they're heartfelt questions. And I understand when you ask these questions. And I understand when people ask these questions. And I've asked some of these questions. And what I've come to is that these questions are not new. These questions are not bad. I grieve for this church model that's told followers that questions and doubts mean you are not a good follower and you have to leave the church and find another way. And we may not have said that specifically. We may not have said that outright, but that's been the result. When some of these younger generations have asked these questions, I see suffering in the world. Why would God allow suffering? That's one of the, 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 the most common questions I get. We haven't been able to sit with them and say like, hey, here's the heart of God and here's what God is really doing and here's why the world is broken and why we, the church, the followers, can lean into this hope that we have rather than run away for it and try to find something else that ultimately will not satisfy. And we all have these questions, we all have these doubts, but it's precisely what we do with these questions and doubts that determines whether we strengthen our faith whether we strengthen our anchor, uh, our connection to God, our connection to the truth, or whether we weaken it or even cut our anchor entirely and, again, find a different way that ultimately cannot satisfy. Doubts, fears, questions about faith, that does not signify the loss of your religion or your relationship. Actually, those can be healthy expressions of deepening our understanding of God. As the man in Mark 9 prayed, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe you've had that moment. I think we all at some point have had some kind of moment like that. I believe. I believe this is real. I believe God is real. I believe Jesus is the only way, but help my unbelief. And that's not bad in itself. What you do with it determines your next step. Do you grow deeper? Do you move into deeper waters where you will be less battered by the storms of this world? Or do you just cut your anchor entirely and let yourself be be thrown about wherever the current of culture takes you. 
that's that's the thing that that makes me so sad and breaks my heart when people I run into people who have had bad experiences. I ran into another guy last week who had a bad experience growing up in church and actually ended up in the church of Satan. And it was a weird conversation. Uh, Maybe I'll tell you about that on a different day. But I felt so bad for him and I could see his broken heart by the bad experiences when he had questions about his faith. And instead of getting answers and hope and and the reality of who Jesus is, someone somewhere led him to a really bad spot. And, uh, and, and that just, that just continues to break my heart. But as we were talking about, these questions aren't bad. Read through the Psalms. Look look at most of the Psalms and you'll see people, including King David himself, people who were questioning, hurting, mourning, loss, seeking comfort, even yelling at God to hurry up and fix things, hurry up and make things right. David says a bunch of times, how long, God, are you going to let this go on? How long are you going to let me suffer like this? And I think we all have had those moments, those thoughts, those feelings when this life is out of control, especially in years like this, when it just feels crazy out of control. How long, God? And I don't think I can speak for God, but I, I think this is true. I think God is not scared of your doubts. God is not scared of your emotions. God wants to hear them. God wants you to process with him. God wants you to strengthen your anchor and the world wants to cut it. I will tell you here and now that that this issue is dangerous in the church. It's dangerous outside of the church. There are wolves in sheep's clothing pretending to teach the church something new about how Christians relate to culture, and, and it's it's not what we need. It, what we need is the truth. We need to return to Scripture. We need to return to Jesus and his truth and only his truth. There are, are many out there, and unfortunately, we hear about them all the time, church leaders that are uh, assuming these ideologies that are not biblical and they're not true, um, and and it's dangerous. And we see leaders uh, in America, especially all the time, who who are adopting these things and and going off in their own direction rather than following the example that God has set for us. Um, and there are even things like we've talked about before, like cultural Marxism, socialism, or, or followers, like we talked about removing parts of the truth they don't like to make them feel better. Um, and we've talked about some of those, and, and we'll continue to talk about others of those through the weeks. But I want to make the more general point of we need this anchor. We need this anchor for our souls. It is our hope. It is our truth. It is focusing on Jesus, and we can't be swept through this world by the culture by by the currents of of this culture we have to stand against it Um, when i was a kid there was a there was a t-shirt that i had uh, when i was a young kid and it had all these fish swimming in one direction and then one tiny different colored fish swimming the other way and i know that it feels like that it feels like that sometimes like when you stand up for what is true when you stand up for what you believe you're one tiny fish one tiny person swimming against a whole current a whole stream of fish swimming in the other direction of people going in the other direction the culture themselves have we, we've talked about like they are going to move against you but now even in this moment in the church there are people who are going to move against you there are certain people in the church that just want to do the easy way they want to do the simple way they want to do the way that is not controversial and the reality of scripture is, the reality of the Bible, the reality of Jesus is, he is controversial. He's so controversial that he was killed for the things that he said, for the things that he stood up for. 
many, if not all, not all, but many of the disciples that followed Jesus were killed because of what they believed. I'm not saying you're going to be killed for this. I sure hope not. Um, But will people love what you have to say when you say the true things? No, they won't. They won't love it. But that doesn't mean it's not true. That doesn't mean it's not right. That doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. And again, you can't have truth without grace. You have to have both things. I'll keep saying this over and over and over again because we all have to understand this, that that Jesus did not yell at people. He did not condemn people, but he did say the true things to them. Again, one of my favorite um, examples of this is the woman at the well, and when he goes to her, and she clearly was caught in all kinds of bad behavior, but he didn't condemn her, and he didn't tell her she was a terrible person. He just said, hey, I see there's a lot of things that you're doing wrong, and I know that about you, but I want you to take this moment and go from here and be a different person and be a follower of Jesus and set an example and be a worshiper in a different way. You can go and, and read that in in John, in John's gospel. And it's such a great example of Jesus showing the truth that you have to say true things, but also just showing the grace and the love of God's heart and care for you and for everyone. And he, he wants to see people come to him um, in this truth and this grace. But the truth of it is people are not going to love everything you have to say if, if you're saying the true things they're not going to love it they're not going to again in that example of the woman at the well she was caught in adultery she was caught with uh, a man that wasn't her man and and it gets more complicated from there you can read in the story and when we say things like that like hey you're only supposed to be with the one that you marry and women are only supposed to be with men and men are only supposed to be with women and and things that the bible just clearly says the culture says uh, you're bad and you're a bigot or a racist or whatever, and 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 these these they start calling you names because that doesn't fit in with the narrative that they want to set and the their truth rather than the truth, and it's really hard to live in that place. So you have to be founded. You have to be anchored when these waves of cultural new normals come at you. You have to be founded in what is really the truth, what is really the word of God, who Jesus really is. And there's a reason Jesus talked about the way of salvation being a narrow road in Matthew 7. It's not easy to follow God. It's sometimes not comfortable. Many do not want to follow God. Um, It's a difficult road. It's a narrow road. It's easier to wander around and do whatever you want to do and just um, go your own way, as Stevie Nicks said. Um, But it's a better road and, and and whatever it is that that is causing you to want to go off the road and, and go in your own way, um, you have to be anchored in that place uh, that God has you and anchored in the truth and the reality of who Jesus is. What will you do today to secure your anchor to the truth? John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father. That's God through but through me, Jesus said. And and we need to lean on that and we need to hold on to Jesus with everything we have. And that's the most important thing, especially in these times when the culture is, it seems, going more and more crazy, more liberal, uh, more heathenistic, hedonistic every day. We really need to focus on who Jesus is and what that means for us and what that means for our lives in him. So, This has been Theology Tuesday at Church Public. I'm so glad you joined us today. We'll continue on uh, giving some 
news on what's happening around the world and uh, in America, and we'll continue on trying to connect faith and culture as we seek to follow God with our heart and soul and mind as strength. Thanks for listening. God bless and keep the faith.